Welcome to this edition of Gabrielle Dolan's Authentic Leadership Podcast. Join Gabrielle as she speaks to well-known leaders on authentic leadership, values and storytelling. The aim of this podcast is to encourage you to embrace authenticity in both the professional and personal context. The stories and experience of her guests will be a wonderful catalyst for others to learn from. Joining me on today's podcast on Authentic Leadership, I am delighted to be sitting in the head office of Bank of Melbourne with the Chief Executive, Michelle Windsor. Thank you, Michelle, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Gabrielle. It's great to be here. So, um, I I tend to start these uh, interviews with a general question around authentic leadership because that is sort of what the podcast is about. It's a pretty much probably overused term, but what does it mean to you when you think about authentic leadership and indeed your own leadership? I think it's really important and, and for me it means being yourself, being genuine, uh, having honest conversations with people with no hidden agenda and people not feeling like they need to question oh, who, who is she going to be today so they know they know who you are, they know the approach that you take and you, and, you know, we always face difficult situations in business, but for me, I think it's about we have to filter some of those difficult situations to make sure that when we have a conversation with our people that they don't bear the brunt of those situations, that mm. they know that they're not going to impact, they'll be impacted by that. So I just think it's about being yourself, being open, honest, thoughtful, supportive. You know, we spend a lot of time at work. And, and I really focus on building really strong relationships and making sure that people feel really supported and valued. And so uh, whatever we can do to, to help with that, I think, is really important. Mm. With um, being open and honest yourself, ha- have you found that, I guess, as, as you've progressed to more senior roles, mm. sometimes what we say in those positions hold greater weight than they would. Mm. I, I know, for example, when I used to work at the NAB, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a joker. And then I realised when you're in leadership positions, I would say something mm. as a joke, mm. but it wasn't sort of mm. taken as a joke because mm. you're the senior leader. Have you found you've had to or tone it down or even just be aware of that? Have you noticed that? Very much so. Mm. And I think that you, oh, you can't, you just can't underestimate Every single word that you say, people mm. are listening to and people are aware of. The tone that you have, the body language that you share, everybody's looking at that. So uh, you've got to be very, very careful with that. Uh, and, and I think it's fine to have a bit of a joke, but I think you sometimes need to be really clear about that. Mm. And I think what's really important is that there's no, you know, no random throwaway lines because they will get picked up in the situation and they shouldn't do so you do have to be very, very careful about what you say. But I think in, you know, in leadership and when we're leading our teams and coaching and helping our teams to achieve their potential, you know, being open and honest and having a bit of a joke in that sort of situation I think is okay. But everybody needs to understand when you're being very, very serious and when it's really important, the topic. Yeah, I think the I think what you touched on in the random throw a line throwaway lines yeah. where you think they're random throwaway lines again yeah. because your position yeah. holds so much greater weight. It so. does. It does. Excellent. Um, one of the things I am really interested in is around uh, personal values and when sometimes there's been a conflict or if there's been a conflict. So. Um, has there been a time where you where you haven't stayed true to your personal values and you've regretted it? So I've got very, very strong values. I'm yep. a values-driven leader, so mm-hmm. that's really important to me. But I think that the time for me was early on in my career 
I felt like I needed to be uh, a little bit tougher and probably be the voice of everybody else. So I was, you know, speaking up and I was raising all of these things that other people I thought were on other people's minds. But I, I think on reflection, I was being probably more confrontational about it as opposed to professional. And I thought I was just being strong. I thought yeah. I was being tough and that I thought that was what was necessary. And when I, what I learned out of that situation was that wasn't me, that wasn't the person that I was. I was trying to be somebody else and I was trying to be tougher because I thought that's what everybody else thought I needed to be. And, and then therefore when I was coming across, I wasn't coming across in a professional manner. And your messages always come across so much better when, when they are authentic and yeah. genuine and real and that you're not, you know, coming from a different place that other people mm. think that. And was that was that sort of early on in some it of was. your first leadership roles it where was. we think we have to? Yeah, it, it really and it's, was. it's a common trap, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm a leader, so I have to it's exactly be right. different or yeah, tougher. Right. I had mm. to, and I, I really honestly thought I I had to step up and I had to be this different person, and and it was a really great learning for me. I think as I as I then progressed through my leadership journey. Uh, that I, you know, I just realised that I, you actually just need to be really honest and be yourself, but mm. really professional always. Mm. It's, I think it's one of the, um, one of the benefits as as you get older, you probably get more confident in your own style, and it, um, there's a bit of wisdom that comes with just being yourself. It's, it's one of the benefits of getting old because there's bloody not a lot. Yes. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> Struggling with that one at the moment. Yeah, it's one of the benefits. Is, yeah, sort of just really don't really care that much more now what people think about you. Um, when do you think you've been the most vulnerable? There was a yeah, it's a really important time in my life. I think so. Again, this was early on, and so I I, I was commuting weekly interstate. So for two and a half years, I did that. And I would fly out on a Monday morning, fly home on a Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And I had three little boys at home and my husband. The boys were all under 10. So I was an emotional wreck because I would fly out. I'd be devastated about leaving my family. And one of the hardest things that I found was life goes on without you because it needs to. And it's really important it does. And I would fly away and to try and put, you know, my emotional stress out of my mind I would immerse myself in work work terribly hard and and then fly home and and try and catch up with the family again so I was most vulnerable because I was dealing with so many emotions you know Mm. I think that I found that a really difficult time and it was a really important time in my career as well and that was a real turning point in the roles that I took and you know and it was an important decision for my husband and I but when I reflect on the emotions I was dealing with, there was no doubt that I wasn't at my best when I was doing that job because yeah. I was trying to balance the way I was feeling in, in my heart and what I needed to do. And and so, you know, I think those things can occur, the, the commuting, but I think you need an end date and I certainly needed an end date and I needed to get some normality back into life. And so I was really pleased when, when mm. that finished and, mm. and we changed. Where were you travelling? You said interstate, was it? Well, at the time we were living in Queensland yeah. and I was doing one week in Adelaide, one week in Perth, one week in Sydney. Wow. So it wasn't, you know, and I, you know, the Perth flight's always a difficult one, daylight saving you and, you know, extra time. So, so, so it wasn't even, I did a year uh, working in Sydney 
And that was a little bit better because I could probably leave some things in Sydney and sort of settle a little bit more. But then I did a year and a half doing the three states. So, yeah, it was tricky. It was a really tricky time. Yeah. And I, I know too, I've, I've got two um, teenage daughters and, and I do a fair bit of travel as well. And yeah. one of the hardest things, one of the good things but the hardest things is that life goes on without you. <laughs> and you sort of, I think sometimes as a mum feel, yeah. oh, well, you know, I'm needed more than anyone. But yeah. I remember... My husband said to me a few months ago, he goes, don't take this the bad, bad, bad way, exactly. but when you're away, yep. no yep. one really misses you during the week. <laughs> everyone's and it's, okay. It's, everyone's okay, <laughs> life goes on, everyone's just in their routine. He did say, we miss you on the weekend, but, yeah. um, but it's like you sort of think good, you want yes. that, but there's yes. a part of you that goes, oh, really? That's <laughs> right. And that was exactly how I felt. And, mm. and, and I was really happy because the last thing in the world you want is for them, for, you know, for the children to be really sad while you're away and mm. be really upset. But then you're right, it's, it tugs at your heartstrings. Yeah. Going, but I'm not needed. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was, that was a really tricky time, oh, really yeah. difficult. And so how, how old are your little boys now? Oh, they're men not, now, yeah. so 18, 21 and 23. So oh, wow, I, I okay. have men, so, which is amazing and, and they're just wonderful. And yep. yeah. Is the 18 doing the final year of school he this is, year? He yep. is, so he finished, his last exam is the 20th of November, yep. so he's ready to, he's okay. well and truly ready to move on to the rest of his life well i can i can snap you on that my <laughs> eldest daughter is in yet yeah, exactly oh, the same the same final oh. final exam 20th of november and then all exciting times well we might get back to you and your boys <laughs> later um if if there's one thing you could change um what about yourself what do you think it would be well i i tend to be uh, i tend to be a bit of a perfectionist so I, I've worked on it a lot over the years and I had some really good feedback early on because I always thought being a perfectionist was great because mm. I just set really high standards for myself and, and, you know, that was okay. But then someone gave me some really good feedback early on that it was it actually impacts others quite significantly and the message that you send to others is that it's never good enough. Mm. And so I've done a lot of work on it over the years and really tried hard to make to change my style so that my perfectionistic tendencies are they're always going to be there I, I don't think you can ever get rid of them but I think you can you can adapt them and change your communication and and adapt your style so that it's it, you manage that a little bit better so it's something that I've worked on a lot and and again the the benefit of, of age gives us the wisdom to know that there's yeah. a better way <laughs> absolutely and I again imagine that you know as you take on more senior roles mm. there's you can't control everything mm. and you just have to yeah. let it go yeah, yeah not. you're right you're right you have to, I, I, I now work, I, I now think a lot about control the controllables yeah and, and you know I've always been a bit of a worrier you know again I think that comes to, with having children but it's about is it you know what control the controllables? Can I do anything about this? And if I can't, then just let it go. You just have mm. to accept that that's the way it is. But if I can change this, then then put all the effort in to actually do that. I'd imagine that perfectionism would have had a bit of a thing to play when you, you when you were travelling with your young boys and you've come back <laughs> after a week and it's like. What do you mean they've had fish and chips for lunch <laughs> for dinner? My husband and I had to do a... a, a, a we, uh, well, actually, um, I, it's really... Because my husband and I are total opposites, so he's last-minute Harry, so right. uh, if it's not, it wasn't for the last minute, he'd get nothing done. So it was quite interesting because I'm very, very organised and it's all done ahead of time, so... Yes, uh, we. I was the one who had to adapt my expectations in that mm. situation, 
And because he would get it done, it just wasn't necessarily it wasn't your time. way. <laughs> and if I was coming back early, I needed to let him know. Oh, right. <laughs> no surprises. That's right. No surprises That's for right. last minute, Harry. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, what's the most embarrassing thing you've done in? business or, or, or in life if whatever oh in life oh dear me that's a different question oh there's a lot of embarrassing things but in business I that could, could be more fun that, that could be that could be a whole different conversation <laughs> i think uh in business uh there's a there's a couple of things so uh um, dressing up as a clown for clown doctor's day um is always a bit embarrassing but it's a really good cause. And so I'm really happy to do it. So it's raising money for sick children and that was really, really important. So really happy to do it. But you never, you never feel great, you know, with a face of makeup and a, and a wig and a, a clown costume with the big shoes walking down the street. So that's all good. So that was always a bit embarrassing. Uh, and one of the other things that I did this year, which wasn't embarrassing but was certainly humbling, uh, I sold the big issue down on the street here. Yeah in support of, of the big issue and all of the causes, that, the work that they do. And um, I had my, my vendor mentor was there beside me and helped me through that. That was really humbling. That was a real eye-opener around the way people responded and the way people even treated you. And I just, uh, just you know, it made me just, it was, it was quite, quite amazing. You know, a lot of people just you know, totally ignore you or take a step away and walk further away from you or, you know, it's just really interesting. And I just think we just need to treat people with respect Mm. because the people who are selling the big issue are working really hard to, you know, try and make a a small amount of money but to also sell the magazines and they don't deserve disrespect. So Mm. um, that was really interesting. Yeah. Did you feel like pulling out the do you know who I am? You know Come on, you did. You thought about it, didn't you? (laughs) No, but I just... I was actually... I more tried to put myself in their shoes Mm. and and really go, you know, the... Just people shouldn't be treated this way. So it just... I found that really hard. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed doing it, but I did find it... I did find it quite hard to to just to see the reactions. Yeah. Um, So in in regards to authentic leadership, who... Who do you admire in that space and why? Like if you sort of, yeah. you know, you know sometimes that moment is, well, what would they do? Sure. Uh, there's one person who absolutely stands out for me and that's Elizabeth Prowse. She's the chairman of Bank of Melbourne and she is an amazing woman. She is so authentic, so genuine, so open, so open to helping people, of giving of her time. She deals with some of the most difficult conversations in the most professional and calm manner I learn from her every moment that I have with her and I feel so incredibly privileged to have the time with her as our chairman. She's really an amazing woman and she's brought a, a, a wonderful broader depth in business to our board discussions because she's got such broad experience in the market. So she's certainly someone and you know I, I read every article that she writes because she's on a lot of different boards and uh, she's just a, an incredible woman, someone to certainly watch and listen. The, does she mentor you or are you just a little bit of a groupie? Um, yeah, I'm a bit of a groupie, I think. I, I, a bit I, of a fangirl. I'm definitely a fangirl. I, I think that she's probably a, an informal mentor. I certainly see her as a mentor, but it's not a formal arrangement. Yeah. But, but we work very, very closely and uh, spend quite a lot of time together. So, yeah, I think mm. I'm... Yes, I'm just a fan. fan yeah. <laughs> just a random fan. Um, what's the hardest part of your job, do you think? 
Oh, probably the hardest part. So I've had about 30 odd years. I've stopped counting because I feel too old. I've had 30 odd years in banking and I've spent a lot of time in, you know, in front line with our call centre teams, our business banking teams and our retail teams. And I know that everybody that I spend time with and, and you know, the people in our team are really proud of making a difference to our customers and helping our customers and doing the right thing by mm. our customers and you know helping them to get their first home, helping them to buy a business, helping them to set up a retirement fund, you know, whatever it is in life. And so when you hear the stories of when things don't go right, that's what I find really hard. They're the, they're the things that I think are the hardest part because mm. you know that more broadly... There are so many people who work very, very hard to do the right thing every minute and every opportunity we have. So the, the difficult situations and probably the hardest part of my job is, is, is seeing some of those difficult things and the difficult, the situations that haven't been great. Yeah. So when you're not being the chief executive, what's, uh, what's the one thing you love doing? I think we can start talking about your three boys yeah, again here. Yeah, are they all are, are they all at home? Uh, no, no. Uh, two of them officially live there, but one who does live at home I don't see very much. So, but no, the uh, definitely so travel and. Oh, we've got a little. That's an external call. Coming. An external call coming in. It's probably one of your sons going. Stop <laughs> talking about me, Mum. That's exactly right. Stop I'm, talking I'm, about I don't me. Even know how to. We're both technical, you know. Just you know, entertain yourself if you're listening. We'll, we'll stop. We'll stop the music. Well, it's quite. Pl- it's pleasant music. It going is pleasant on. music in the background. But we don't. Know. There we go. There we Just go. Pull the plug. That's the pull way the to plug sort on it. anything that's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So what what do you do when you're not being CEO? So my my two favourite things are traveling and spending time with my my yeah. boys and my husband. And combining those two, I would I imagine. love to combine that. If I can combine the two, that's wonderful. Uh, getting everybody together at the same time is really quite a challenge, though. Mm. With, the, with the boys, the age they are, it's, it's quite a challenge. I'm trying to organise our next family holiday at the moment, and, and, and aligning our diaries and working out where we want to go is proving to be quite a challenge. Mm. So, so that's, um, but, but that's the thing I love the most. Uh, you know, my, time, my time with the family is you know, so, so important. Uh, what I do do is... I try and create reasons for us to have a meal together because, yeah. particularly with boys, if you feed them, they're very happy. So, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I, I try and work out events throughout the year that we can get together for a meal and then at least I get to catch up with them, which mm. is really lovely. And I guess at that age, at 18, 21, 23, there's, you know, potential partners that all got there to be is. taken care of there as well. Is, there is. So you add a whole different uh, perspective to things when, when you add in, and in partners. So, yeah, it's a really interesting stage. And, of course, there's a wonderful life that they need to lead. And, and Absolutely. Yeah, so... How, how do you fun. go with meeting the new partners? <laughs> it's just, that is, I think that's one of the things I'm dreading as a mother. <laughs> I'm I'm good with it. I'm okay with it. I, and again, thinking. Do you have to control your perfectionism <laughs> then? <laughs> uh, I have to say, are my boys happy? Then I'm okay. That's that's the bit. That's the overlay for me. It's not my selection, but it, it it's a, it's about are they happy? And then that's then I'm very very happy. Um, yeah, are they good for each other? Then that's the, that's yeah. the thing. Good point. So when you when you get the family together, do you cook? Are you the 
No. Do you love to cook? <laughs> no, I don't. No, <laughs> no I, I cook very, very rarely, which is why it's such a moment that everybody stops and watches because it doesn't happen very cooking. often. <laughs> so, and the, the boys all laugh at me because I, I used to have two dishes that I cooked and that's now reduced to one because my husband's a fabulous cook. So uh, he and, and, and so my two dishes were uh, curried sausages and fried rice, like really elaborate cooking here, really elaborate. And my husband made a much better fried rice, so I had to cut that one off my list. So, so your specialty is, is curry, curry sausage. sausages. And you know the funny thing is they ask for it regularly. So it is the most basic meal, honestly the most basic meal, but the boys absolutely love it. And when, that, when I make it, they are so grateful and so appreciative. I do make... I, I, I will, you know, I do say I make a really great cheesecake and cookies... And again, having boys, they are so appreciative when you sp- take the time to make them for them, but they do devour them. <laughs> when when I was growing up, we were always made to eat. Whatever <laughs> mum cooked, we had to eat. Luckily, mum was a pretty good cook. Yeah. But I, I still, to this day, remember having curried sausages yeah. and saying, if I have to eat this, <laughs> I'm going to vomit. <laughs> so funny. I can't. I actually can't believe I'm sitting across someone. <laughs> My son says that you know if he had his, his if he had a final meal that he got to select it would be that. Like it's the most bizarre thing. We've taken them to some of the most. You sure they're not leading you on? Uh, maybe they are. Uh, maybe they are. Maybe they're just. Maybe everyone's maybe just trying to get me to do something you. in the kitchen. <laughs> maybe they're all going. Oh, it's the only thing Mum cooks. Let's not tell her we, we all have hate to be it. Be nice to her because she'll be heartbroken. <laughs> that, possibly that's it. No, I'm sure it is. I'm, I shouldn't put doubt in your mind. Next time you cook, next them. time you cook, or watch their face reaction. Make sure they're not secretly going off to the toilet. <laughs> Thanks for that. Really appreciate the motivation. Sorry, confidence. that's okay. You know, I'm a, I'm a motivational speaker. When I talk to this, you are. Um, I what I um, do love not curry sausages, obviously, but I do <laughs> love quotes. Right. Do you have a favourite quote you always I come do. back to? Yeah. yeah what is it? Uh, so fortune favours the brave. And it's one that has been with me for a long time. And I think in, you know, the work, the thing that really stands out for me is that in life and in work, you have to be courageous and you have to make the decisions that put you out of your comfort zone. And that was something actually, I, I used to have it um, a little um, sticker stuck on my computer years ago mm. that said that. And just to remind me that you've got to keep pushing yourself to do something different and to make those tough decisions. So that's one that really stands stands firm with me. Yeah. Do you give those messages? I imagine you lead that way, but do you um, encourage your sons to follow the same? Absolutely, yeah. yes, very much so. So we, we, just, we just try and get them to take away any barriers and, and the boys are, are very good with that. You know, our, our eldest lived in Europe for, for a year and... And, and, you know, lots of different things that they're doing in life and we just try and say to them, just try different things and, and always think about something out of, this, out of the box. Yeah, excellent. Um, I don't know if you know, you might know, but I'm a bit of a fan of reducing jargon in business. Oh. So if you had the power and you do have the power because you're chief executive oh. to ban a certain corporate jargon phrase, what would it be? Look, there's so much. Well, there's so many. There's <laughs> so many. And, you know, we, we often have... It's funny. We don't, I don't do that today, but years ago we used to do the um, jargon bingo. 
yeah you know you'd have the box and mm. see how, mm. how fast it takes to fill, tick all the boxes of, of jargon that we've just said but oh, you know there's so many different things I, I, one of the things that I'm seeing come out a lot more today is the terminology a hundred percent right now what you're actually saying is yes yes <laughs> yes or definitely yeah. or certainly or but we also but there's that's a lot 100%. more people a hundred percent so I'm hearing that a lot more these days and that's one that I'm yeah and I'm hearing it across all ranges I mean I hear it in my sons are saying it and I'm hearing it in you know older people in business so it's a you know I think we just we just need I just think we need to make things simpler you know we, we yeah. try and make things a whole lot more complex by the jargon that we create when what we're really trying to say is you know just something really simple mm. and again be really honest and be really straight with it and you know I, I, we we have to think about that when we when, you know if ever we're talking to customers and and the public you know, we really work hard to not talk any jargon, to talk in in terms that everybody would know. Yeah. And I think we just need to remember that in business. Yeah. We make things a little bit too complex. Yeah, okay, because that's the problem, isn't it? We say these words in business and mm. we sort of we sort of get understand them, although mm. half the people probably don't. Mm. But the real problem is when it starts to then, you know, seep out and we're using oh. these terms with clients and mm. customers and Agreed. and the community and they're going, mm. what, what are you talking about? Mm. Agreed. But, yeah, it's Agreed. just an overuse of jargon and mm. it's doing my head in. <laughs> Agreed. Final couple of questions. Um, so we've already established that curried sausages is your favourite meal. <laughs> What's your favourite 80s song or artist? <laughs> I'm actually almost scared to ask this after the curry sausages. <laughs> oh dear me, I've really, I've really set the tone, haven't I? I look, I love the eighties. I, I love Sorry. all of the music in the eighties. It's a terrific, terrific time. Um, my, I, I was, I was questioning whether I should actually say this or not, but there were two. My two favourite bands or my two favourite artists were Madonna. And Bon Jovi, right? And and I think I knew every Madonna song, um, and I'm still a massive fan of. I've moved on from Madonna, um, clearly because she's probably moved on. Um, but I, I'm still a massive fan of Bon Jovi and love to all of their music. My, probably my favourite '80s song would have been "Living on a Prayer." Um, it's probably yeah. not my favourite overall, but it would be. Oh, it's probably my favourite '80s. Brings back good memories. It's just. I just love their music. <laughs> I just love all about all of them and. And even the, you know, film clips that go with them, I think they're mm. terrific. Yeah. yeah, excellent. What's, uh, final question, I always end on this, what's the one piece of advice that you would give your 20-year-old self? So I was really fortunate to have a mentor early on in my career who really helped me with the self-doubt that I was facing. And, that, and my mentor knew that if they didn't push me in different situations that I just wouldn't do things and I wouldn't go for it, that there'd be all these reasons to hold me back. So they really pushed me hard to step outside the comfort zone, to really try different things and to take on something that I just didn't think I could do. So that I, I'd have to give myself that same advice. That's, that's something that I think is, is really critical and it's been really important in, in, in my career as well. But, you know, try something different. Back yourself. Always put yourself in the uncomfortable zone. You know, learn something different. Meet different people. All of those things. And I always have a, I have a quote where I say, 
that you're not truly growing unless you're feeling uncomfortable. Mm. Might have actually used that on myself today coming into the <laughs> podcast, but but I, you know, for me that is a really important thing. You just be uncomfortable because that's when you know that you're actually learning and doing something different and 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 that's certainly been a big part of my yeah. career. Well, it's probably goes very closely with your fortune favors the brave quote yeah. that's yeah, it just does. put yourself out there. You do. There you, go. you need to do that. Michelle, thank you so much for being part of this and um, I wish you all the best Thanks, in your Karen. role. And I was going to say I'd love to catch up for dinner, but I probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, not if I'm cooking. No, 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 <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Gabrielle. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast in the Authentic Leadership Series. Visit the resource library on Gabrielle's website to access a collection of free material on business storytelling and thought leadership.